Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The new year is the perfect time to start building credit scores. Because when your credit scores increase, your opportunities do too. Like loan approvals and lower interest rates. Chime makes it easier to keep building your credit with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. You can use Credit Builder everywhere Visa Credit Cards are accepted. Chime helps you build your credit scores safely by using your own money to make everyday purchases and on-time payments. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a $200 qualifying direct deposit. And don't stress, there's no annual fee or credit check required to apply and get started. Start building your credit history and finding new opportunities with the secured Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary. Islanders country, hello. This is the Eyes on Isles podcast powered by the Fansided Sports Network. I am your host, Joe Bono. Follow me on Twitter at IslesFix and subscribe to our Monday through Friday newsletter. And joining me once again, our full-time recurring guest, Mr. Andy Francis. Andy, how are you? How was your Super Sunday, sir? How's it going? I went to a wedding in South Carolina. There was a couple who had the audacity Not to big schedule their wedding on Super Bowl weekend. So it was one of those situations where you have to scramble back during the day on Sunday to give yourself enough time to be fully situated with whatever it is that you're going to be doing on Sunday because you don't want to be that guy who stays late on the Sunday and then just wings it by watching it at a random place in South Carolina. And I got news for you. If you want to check the weather in South Carolina this past weekend, it rained from the very beginning of the weekend straight through to Sunday. And I think that's just the penalty that was incurred for booking your Super Bowl weekend wedding. And that's just kind of the penalty. You you got the rainy wedding and that was your penalty for bringing everyone there on Super Bowl. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, I I did absolutely nothing. Um, We're at, uh, we're at that age with the kids where it's like a six forty start is what are you going to do? You can't, you can't bring them anywhere because the game starts too late. Can't even get, can't even watch a quarter or a half because it's past bedtime. So um, that was, everyone was like, Oh, did you watch the pregame show? Who watches these pregame shows? The puppy bowl. I literally watched Coco melon, which is a Netflix, you know, kids sing along show that was on from three o'clock into my house up until uh kickoff at, at six 40. <laughs> but um, you know, got a little lucky on the boxes, you know, eight and five, uh, those numbers came out. You cursed wow. and said, "Jesus, eight and five. These are horrible numbers. They'll never come out." And then all of a sudden, luck changed. So what, that, you, uh, you, you don't care who wins. Scoring. If you keep scoring, you then hit the threshold where those numbers are possible. I bet you in the modern NFL, where scoring is you know through the roof, I think those numbers aren't as bad as one might think. With all the extra two point conversions and all the yeah, touchdowns. and even the missed, the missed extra points, there's different uh, you know there's different elements now. Back in the pre two point conversion and pre uh, extra point being a football play. You know those two, those fives—they were brutal numbers. Now you can you can you can figure out a way to get uh, get lucky with those. So, and yeah, that was one that, that was the case for me last night. You were praying to get like, oh my god, if they can maybe score five touchdowns and you get lucky with a pick six at the end, they can get to thirty-five. Yeah. Now you're expecting thirty-five. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, listen, Super Bowl season is uh, Super Bowl is over. Football season is over, uh, which means all the attention in the New York Tri-State area is focused on the New York Islanders, of course. Um, at least that's the, the purpose of this show. And, um, you know, I don't know if you were following the social media here on Monday, but the focus really was around this really tough love practice that they had today. And I'm sure I was thinking of you because you probably were like, where has this been 
all year long. Now, listen, we don't know exactly what goes on behind closed doors with Lane Lambert and his team, whether or not he goes all out on them, reams them out during the course of intermissions or after games. But for the beat writers who are at those practices that are at Northwell all the time, they all recognize that something felt different the way he was talking to this team, the way he took control of practice, and the way he was emphasizing certain things that the team has been lacking. I think everyone was like, well, this guy seems like he might be on edge. He feels like it's a critical point of the season. He feels he's on the hot seat. I don't know. But it was good to see that that was happening, at least on the ice, and we'll see whether or not it manifests anything against Ottawa on Tuesday. Well, you know, there's guys watching Barry Trotz you know, who was standing right next to him, go to back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals and then get fired the following year. Uh, I think you know that your leash is relatively short when you see the GM pushing for players and hoping to do something. Yeah, where has this been? Where was this been last year? Where is this? You know, you're you're seeing, I saw, I believe I saw the references that, uh, or the things that you're referring to and the quotes that you're referring to from those beat writers and, where has this been for, for years? I told you, it's the feel-good Islanders. No big deal. Worry about it tomorrow, bro. Shaka, worry about it tomorrow. Like, this is the type of practice slash philosophy slash culture you need. This has to be their regard. You have to fear being reprimanded regardless. You can't just always think things are going to work out. And I'm, I'm happy to see it. I mean, who knows what it's actually going to mean. But it's good to see people publicly blasted like if the coach knows the beat writers are going to say the things that happen in practice and he says it anyway that's good Noah Dobson needs to see his face and name mentioned in all these quotes or anyone else. I don't care if it's somebody I've always supported or, or not supported one of my favorite players it doesn't matter they need to be called out for when they're not playing well and they need to be held accountable it's not everybody's always comfortable all the time and I'm happy to see it. I mean, it's the first step in the right. To, we we haven't known what this Dick Tracy character looking coach is. Does. He's just kind of <laughs> with his slick hair, uh, great hair, hair. Great hair. He looks hold nine. But we we haven't felt his imprint. You saw those postgame speeches, pure uh, Fred Flintstone, Capuano. Uh, they got lucky, bad breaks, blah, blah, blah. Never gave anything with any sort of substance. And again, I get it, protecting the players and whatnot. But regardless, we had no feel as to what the vibes were around the team and what was going on. And I think that manifested in the team looking like that for the majority of the season. I don't know. It's pretty awful that you're waiting now to this final stretch what's the record that they have on the islanders now to say that they have to make the playoffs what is like 20 and 6 was it or something like that i mean i think they're on a pace for you know below 90 points probably 88 points i think they're four points ahead of last season's pace and last year they finished with 84 so whatever they're probably falling short of 90 right now from what I saw, there was like 26 and three, what is something like that. If that forecast to get the Islanders, in, then this needed to happen earlier in the year. That those long stretches where we say there's no urgency. We talked about it every single week. These reprimandings, these lambastings, these meetings between the coaches, players, benchings, line demotions, whatever it may be, these needed to happen earlier in the year. So and he- now he downplayed, it all. he downplayed all of it, right? He talked about how, you know, this was a practice day and that during the course of the season, you have practice days like like there was on Monday. And then you have games, um, days where like you're just skating in between games and you're not able to have a full-fledged, hardworking, up-tempo practice. So he put it on that and not that it was the result necessarily of what happened against Vancouver and Montreal. But listen, we saw him visibly upset and angry during the post game after the six, five loss to Vancouver. And you saw him how ticked off and annoyed he was slamming the bench door open, uh, walking off the ice against Montreal. So there has been visibly something different about him after the last two losses that he held together, whatever the philosophy was on why he was trying to keep that even keel. I don't know, but it was starting to blow and maybe it blew in practice today. And I think the thing that was most uh, noticeable that the beat writers talked about was that in a normal practice, they see that his assistant coaches are the ones actively kind of being hands-on and instructing the players. And they took a back seat, and it was the Lane Lambert show, apparently. So 
he can downplay it. I think there was something noticeably different about it. And I think probably the players appreciated it. At least it felt that way based on the comments. Again, we'll see whether or not um, it makes any difference when they play Ottawa. But, I mean, Andy, they have, they have blown such a great opportunity the last two games. Because, and, you know, I fall for this again. Here they are, what was it, 4-2 against Vancouver, four straight wins, and I'm looking ahead. I'm going, okay, this is a win. Then they got Montreal on Saturday, and then Ottawa, and all of a sudden it's a seven-game winning streak. That's where my head's at, rolling into these Pittsburgh games with Boston in between and how much energy and excitement there would be. And know what, to score five goals, to give up six goals to the Vancouver Canucks with Ilya Sorokin in net was unforgivable the way that that game was. Well, what have I told you all season? You can break up this Islanders season into, oh, then there was the comeback period, and then the period. There's one constant throughout the whole season, and it's awful defense. And I've told you many times I will prefer a Minnesota philosophy. I don't care. They have one great player. And I will take a team approach where you have to grind out wins every single time because if you have bad defense, you're an absolute nobody. And it's going to cost you in the most important and crucial times. So just take what you just saw the last couple of games. Imagine you're in the playoffs and you have this goal, this, this league going into the third two games in a row. You need to be able to lock it down. And if you can't do that, I don't even care. I honestly don't even care because I told you, when you asked me, what's it going to get you to buy back in? I said, eight straight games of three goals or less. You got halfway they, there. <laughs> they were at five. They were at five because even in the first loss. Right. Ottawa so one, all right. they needed to do was go three or less against Vancouver minus Horvat, a completely injury depleted, followed by would have been a last place team, regardless, even without the injuries, Canadians. And then uh, tomorrow night against the Senators. Do though, do that, and Andy's back because he realizes that you've shifted focus and you've shifted your priorities with enough time left in the season to know what's important. But they didn't. They didn't. No, the, the fans should be happy. They got their forward. They got their forward scoring. They got the bars out line productive. They're happy, right? Fans got to be happy. This is the right now. This is the fans, New York Islanders. No trots. Traded for a forward, got a goal scorer, got Barzal somebody to play with. Everyone's happy, right? The fans should all be happy right now because this is their current team. This is the fan GM constructed team. So they're thrilled right now, right? They're not thrilled. They're not thrilled. Oh, they want Barry Trotz back. You didn't hear about that uh, after oh, the Montreal game? <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Um, Just making sure. I mean, the Vancouver game was like – uh, are they really going to lose this game 5-4? Then Beauvillier scores, of course, on the power play goal to make it 6-4. Like, okay, well, they're going to lose this game. And then they do get the third-period goal. No, Dobson scores, make it 6-5, but really don't have a another goal in them. And, um, you know, that, that game was just really infuriating the way they just kept on uh, letting Vancouver just score right after they scored. You know, after the Horvat goal, all the momentum – um, in the world, and they they let uh, Pedersen score right after that. Um, Adam Pellick takes a bad penalty, leads to another power play goal. Um, just just bad. And tell you what, uh, that, you know, we talked about Dobson. We don't talk enough about Romanov. Is he is he's got problems right now in his own zone a lot too. And they, you know, he's under the radar. Expectations are not there the same way they are um, for some other members of that blue line, but. You know, they traded a first-round pick, a 13th pick overall for him. And, yeah, he shows some flashes with the physicality. You like the big hits and I like the attitude. But, he, I mean, he said some things, too, after the game, but he's got to improve in every area of the game. He's not not ready necessarily for big-time top four minutes. Well, a couple things. Number one, it's funny how a couple months can change somebody's perspective in regards to coaching or a player. Go look at what the Islanders uh, – nation said about Romanov first third of the season this is gonna him and Dobson are gonna be a dynamic duo for decades to come what happened to that what <laughs> the season is a marathon and all those things that you saw everything from the comebacks to stellar play in small stretches from random players 
eventually the truth will come to the surface. And we've seen that with a multitude of these players. Now, this is the first season I've seen of Romanoff. What I could say is he reminds me, if you watch the first years of Mayfield, just taking himself completely out of position, going wild, looking for hits, looking to join the offense, but he's doing it randomly instead of like in a calculated fashion. He looks like a jackal. That's what I used to call Mayfield when he had the long hair in his first like two years. I used to tell my brother, like, this guy's a <laughs> jackal out here. It looked like he was trying to imitate Brent Burns just without being Brent Burns. Like he was this big guy throwing his body around, joining the rush with speed, bulldozing people. And he was like a, a, a wild card out there. He was like a defenseman functioning as a forward and throwing hits, but taking himself out of position. I'm seeing a lot of similarities with uh, with Romanoff in that regard. Um, but the thing is, at least, you know, at least with him, when you do refine those things, you know he's not going to get bullied. You know he's not going to get bodied. You know he's going to be a physical presence. I think there are things to reform in his game. You know, you were never really asking for him to be a big offensive contributor. He no. does have good speed. Skate will. So, yeah, so we will uh, we'll see uh, if he's able to be, you know, refined. I do think, obviously the more structure your team has, the the easier it makes it for a defenseman to know what to do and simplify his responsibilities. But this has been the Doug Wade Islanders in terms of what they're allowed to do. You want to join? Join. You want to get back? You want to get back? It's roller hockey out there. They're doing what they want, and it's why you've seen some of the old warts defensively come back with like people like Nelson and before he left Bavillier, and you're watching guys like, Romanoff take themselves out of uh, position without the proper reinforcements because this is just what they've been this year. They've been all over the place, and this is why they blow two goal leads against a non-playoff team in Vancouver on their home ice after that team traded their top goal scorer and played the night before. Yeah, um, it's just uh, it's a series <laughs> of embarrassments is really what it is. And then Saturday afternoon, I mean, listen, they were lucky to have the lead. I mean, they were not the better team throughout that game. Um, they get the Matt Martin goal to get the lead, and then they're given this amazing opportunity in overtime um, to have the four on three in overtime, which sometimes is easier to score on than the than the uh, you know traditional five no, on four. Not even that; they had the two one lead. You got to understand if you go into that intermission, you get to say, "Wow, bad performance." We're going into the third with the lead. There should be a team wide focus on, "Oh, just close this one out." It's been a poor performance. Just make sure your T's are crossed. And what's dotted? Do you remember? <laughs> lowercase J's. I know. I know my way. Make sure those two. lowercase J's are dotted. Let's get out of here with a 2-1 win or an empty net or 3-1 win. This is the worst team who has, doesn't have the personnel to come back. But what do they do? They blow it. Worst case scenario. Kind of. But they get another lead. And they re-blow the lead to the bottom-dwelling Canadians. This, my friends, it makes you like they don't deserve what everybody's seeking. You don't deserve a playoff spot when you do these things. And only maybe when you're forced, like, like you say, now they're being reprimanded. I needed something to happen that this stuff has to be brought to the surface because like early in the year, when you're come these unsustainable comebacks, it makes you say, no, 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 we're good. We're good. No, 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 no. You have embarrassing losses to Vancouver. And, and Montreal, what do you have to do then after that? Look in the mirror and say, okay, what is wrong with us? And I've been hoping for this all season long. So it's taken these two embarrassing losses. Now we get people yelled at on the ice. It should have come probably a full season earlier. And I know how much you love my stats. Um, Allender's I, th- I think you've taken it too far. I think you've taken three. it too far. 19-3-3 when leading after two periods. But the nine points lost when leading after two periods, highest total in the NHL this season. They're most since losing 10 in all of the 2014-15 season, including uh, that game the final night at the Coliseum that cost them home ice. Uh, so with more than a quarter left of the season left to play, uh, they've given up nine points by not holding third period leads. Quite For example, that thing you just brought up. All right, so first of all, what you just said, um, you've now taken – my quote out of context, relevant data and statistics to this current team. 
absolutely. What you just said about the amount of points blown, that is an absolutely relevant statistic. You should bring it up all the time. Comparing the team to a team that's not on the ice in 2014, that to me means absolutely nothing. But I am really happy that you just brought that up. <laughs> just because, historical context. Because that last game of the season on home ice had a lead and lost it. It cost them home ice. Once I saw them lose that game, I have no desire to win a playoff round after that. Because do you understand that is the playoffs? That is holding a lead in the playoffs. And I think they Eric Bolton had a goal that game too, and they still lost. I was there. I bought that ticket. You know, before the season, I'm like, this is going to be the final game ever at the Coliseum. The Islanders are going to make the playoffs. And then you're there, and they they lose in the uh, shootout uh, to Columbus. Be- Ugh. Because do you want to know what happens with a team like that? They get to the playoffs. And then even if they win a round against Florida, what happens? They have a one-goal lead with under a minute left against the Tampa Bay Lightning in game three. And they blow it with under 30 seconds left and lose that one in overtime. They have a lead in game four at home on home ice. Blow that, lose in overtime. Was there for this? Well, the thing is, you may be shocked. You may be upset. You may throw something on the floor, but the second I saw that that lead blown in the last game of the season, I go, oh, well, this is it. This is not a playoff team that's going to be able to win multiple rounds because what they were just presented is a playoff-style adversity, and they failed that test. The odds of failing that test and then just completely turning it around in the weeks after that and, and doing all the small things that are necessary to close out games like that, to me, there's minimal chance of that. So when you see these things that you just saw – with all those points, how badly you need these points to get back in the race and you commit those egregious small errors, I guess that's an oxymoron. But that collection of errors, which ends up having an egregious result, that tells me this this team is not ready for the playoffs. They're not going to do what's necessary if they got there and they would get absolutely steamrolled against a team who actually is buttoned up. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know the old pill of our cells line, right? You are what your record says it is. And the Islanders are what... There, these trends have been, and uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, they're listen, they're still in it. It's hard to say they're not in it, and they have three games left with Pittsburgh. They got two big ones coming up, and you know, maybe they surprise us and, and turn things around and, and win all of those games. And next thing you know, those games at hands don't look that much of a big deal. And you know, you'll wake up and look at the standings, and they're in seventh or eighth. It's possible. I mean, Washington right now is very vulnerable, Pittsburgh is as well. Um, Florida stubbing their toe, even though they look like they're playing better. And Buffalo is completely unproven and has never done it before. So they're in the muck. And uh, listen, I know how you feel about the eighth seed, but, you know, it's a shame because it was a really, we talked about this a week or so ago, that that's, this stretch was the opportunity to get going. And it really looked like they were. They, they oh, lost they that did game it. in Ottawa, but they won those two games at home before the break. They get the Horvat trade and you're thinking all the good vibes are there for this to happen and for those two results really, really they, the they could have they could have they could have somehow withstood all of this bad play all of this lackluster effort could have almost been erased if they could have won these last two games and carried a six game winning streak get going but you're asking like Scott Farkas not to be the bully. You're saying, well, if they can just not do the thing that they've been doing all this season and finally they can just stop doing the thing that they can't stop doing all season, then we're going to be all right. You're never going to get a better, a better uh, slate momentum. of games. Uh, yeah. No, no, not slate of games, but uh, the way, the way in which the momentum was built. Two yeah. lackluster performances before the break, but you were able to get the points. You were able to trickle through those goals. OT winner, Marcel, yeah, going oh, to the break. Exactly. Trade comes exactly. In. Then you get the trade. He scores in, in his uh, two out of his three first games, or now three out of his first four games. And you win those first games. And that line is why. You can't have more moment. And you have a 4-2 lead against the team. Who you just plucked that star off of, and they don't have their top goal scorer and are 0 and went, I guess 0 and 1 since that trade had to play the night before. If you can't close that game out, what in God's name makes you think that from this point to the end, that it's all going to be different? Yeah. It's just not, unfortunately. Um, you can hope you can you can hope that a series of things happen. Okay, well, if Washington fall and these go, but it doesn't matter because once you're in there, like there's a team if given an opportunity you go uh oh that's that's going to be a scary thing to deal with that was like if vegas snuck in that eighth eighth position at the end of the last season they were like two or three points out and if they got that last seed 
you know what they did to Colorado the year before. They went to the they were the in the final four for three straight years. So you saw them in there with that veteran roster. That was going to be a handful to deal with. The same can't be said about these guys. I mean, to beat teams like Boston and Tampa and now and now with the Rangers with Tarasenko and they're they're on a full roll. At least they don't play the Rangers anymore. (laughs) Yeah. At least they got that going for them. Um, And uh, before we take a break, just um, the power play against the Canadians. I mean, you know, right now there's this, these stories are being written about the improved power play because they're four out of nine since Horvat returned, including the goal from the really bad angle. That was a power play goal. And they also had the Barzell goal the other night that, was a one second after the power play expired. So I don't want to discount that it wasn't, hasn't been better. Um, obviously the numbers say it wasn't, there was nowhere to go, but up from where it had been that four on three was so stagnant, so predictable, slow, so slow moving. And they had possession for almost the entire time with with uh, and, and who were they exactly trying to set up? Dobson on the left side for a shot. That was like the whole power play was looks like it was being revolved around a Noah Dobson one timer from the left slot, which I've not seen at all at any point this year. I've said that all season. What are they trying to set up? It is absolutely absurd that in a four on three or five on three, that you know, some people will say, Why is Kyle Palmieri out there? To me, nope. Why is Ryan Pulak and his 105 mile per hour side shot, or if Wallstrom was back in the lineup, why are your absolute bomb shooters who the forward who's high is going is going to have to shade over to, which will free up more uh, more ice down the slot and in the middle? Why is he not on the ice? Noah Dobson can get shots through, so okay, on a five on four, you can kind of sell me on the idea of him being out there. Then you know he shoots, and you got. You know, two layers. You got Horvat. You got Anders Lee. But on this four on three, I mean, you have to have one of those shooters out there. You have to have one of your big shooters out there. And you know, this is exactly what happened. It was a classic case. They were trying to to do crisscrosses and this that, and the other, and they were able to get a couple of shots. But what did it resort to? A couple of Dobson one timers, and it was blocked. Um, blocked. Yeah. And then, uh, and then Barzell, and this used to happen to John Tavares all the time in overtime. You know, doesn't take this, doesn't go to the bench, tries to make one more play, and that leads ultimately to the goal. And I mean, you take the good with the bad, I guess, with Barzell because of he's such a more dynamic skater and playmaker than anyone else on this team. That's a bad turnover, man. Yeah, I mean, there's so many bad turnovers. There's so many turnovers with him. You saw the thread that I made. He's got five in a game at the blue line. But when you're so deficient in the offensive end, you just naturally you you just forgive him. No, but he's our star. Yes, uh, exactly. I said yes. He is our best player. Absolutely, it's unbelievable when he's on. I'm not advocating doing anything other than making him more responsible. And no. You can't. You have to be situationally aware. If you're going to try a drop pass at the blue line, you know, which if you mess up in any way, shape, or form, is going to lead to a breakaway. The other way, you just have to. I get it. It was bad luck, but um, I mean, there have been so many from him this season. Yeah. And like, I'm not going to hate on the four on three as much as other people. They were able to get looks and whatnot, but. Um, and they had the puck for like 30 seconds. It felt like before it was, you know, they. <laughs> Just again, just another what an opportunity. I'm just one of those guys get those two points, momentum, overtime. Oh, I'm one of those guys who believes I, I don't care what happens in the overtime. I don't care. I don't care. Y- you didn't close out the game to me, the result in overtimes, regardless. If you, you win, a problem with a game time goal, like even Butch Goring got on Pelic, like that we did a bad job. I mean, I thought that was a pretty amazing tip there. On the game tying goal, I, I it doesn't. It wasn't like they gave up an odd man rush, or it, it was a pretty high caliber tip on a shot that looked like it was going to go wide. Otherwise, um, yeah. But uh, even look, even Butch, I'm who not, we know is the homer of homer, he was he was after Pellet just not doing his job about you know boxing out his guy and pushing him out out of position, not even allowing him to have a stick free. 
Yeah, boxing out's a weird thing during the regular season because if you honestly do what's necessary to get that quote-unquote inside position, so many times they'll call it during the regular season because you're going to end up, you know, taking some sort of interference or you're going to can opener him because he's strategically going to put his, you know, legs and put them your stick in the middle, and then if you turn, I get being cautious during the regular season, and it's not so much like how that goal went in, but it's just so. It's just the the amount of chances and the the ease in which scoring chances are attained by teams regardless of skill level is is very disappointing and i guess that's just because i'm a defense first philosophy kind of guy whether i'm playing nhl or watching the nhl or strategizing uh you know which teams i want to pick to win a game i think defense is the most important um you know part of your team if you have a good goalie that's even better but as you saw it didn't matter who was in the net for the islanders they had a career year with barry trotz Braden holpe was a vezina candidate under barry trotz he can't even get a backup job now if you play good team defense the job is easier for everybody and the further you get away from that the uh, harder you make life for yourself. So, you know, we're kind of back to Doug Wade era right now where now maybe we can <laughs> score a little bit. No, but I just say, because now we're scoring a little bit, but a little bit, you're, a little bit. you're not doing the, mo- the most important part, which is closing out games when you do have a lead. Well, listen, we'll see whether or not there's a cause and effect to this hard Monday up-tempo practice or not um, against, against the Senators on Tuesday at UBS Arena. We'll take a break. When we come back, I want to talk Valentine's Day with Mr. Andy Francis. Find out his plans. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast powered by the Fansided Sports Network. We'll be right back. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said done swimsuit check sunscreen check phone charger check don't forget to pack the five hour energy it fits great in a pocket or carry-on and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything now get 20 percent off when you use code 5he travel at 5hourenergy.com expires april 30th one-time use only not valid with other discounts remember visit 5hourenergy.com and use code 5he travel to save 20 percent We're back, Joe Bono, Andy Francis, Eyes on Isles podcast, and uh, you're probably listening to this on Valentine's Day. And uh, you know, I'm guessing, you know, Andy, Bachelor, Florida, Sunshine State, <laughs> spring training in the air. Um, you know, I got I got nothing going on. Married, ten years, couple kids. We're lucky that we get each other cards when we make our runs to the supermarket. Um, maybe uh, sneak in a dinner later in the week or something like that with no kids uh, awake. Um, but uh, what's going on? What's anything happening? What's Valentine's Day? It's an all time scam when it comes to the actual day. Uh, am I going to be hanging out with somebody? Sure. But it's either going to be happening on the 13th or the 15th or we'll be doing some cooking because no that's how you menu, circumvent. No prefix it's menu restaurant. It, the same way on New Year's Eve, they can get away with charging $100 tickets and then kick you out of a bar at 1 a.m. Despite the fact that one day ago that place was free to go to and closed at 4 a.m. they It's the same place, and they're going to overcharge, under-deliver, and then kick you out of there. And then you're fighting, you're fighting with everyone to try to get in these places. 
And if you partake in all that stuff, then you got scammed. And I do understand that your girlfriend, wife, whatever is going to be upset that you're not at one of the classic places and you're not going to the classic movie. But um, I think they're not doing a proper evaluation of what's going on over there. I mean, I would rather go above and beyond. I would rather give twice the Valentine's Day gift and treatment as long as it's not on the 14th. If you do it on the 14th, they win. And who's especially they? when you have know. Ottawa Senators Islander game on in on Tuesday night? I mean, yeah. Who wants to miss that, right? <laughs> well, if it was at, if it was at home, if it was at home, then you get the tickets as the gift. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's that's what I'm sure a lot of Islander fans are doing right now. They're getting their their tickets for UBS Arena and uh, gonna take their special someone or hope someone who they hope maybe one day gets elevated to that special someone and they could retell the story. Maybe end up on Kiss Cam. And, I'm sure that uh, kiss cam's we'll gonna be popping tomorrow night. I think it might be another. Uh, we never really did get complete confirmation about whether or not that engagement on opening night was staged. I mean, Yo. you should know, right? You you are the actor, the actor, the thespian Yo. out of the bunch. Uh, was that? Uh, what do you think? What was your vertical? Um, I need I need to watch again, but I'll be able to tell you right away. Your average person's an awful actor. It's the worst thing you've ever seen. So usually, if you have to ask yourself if it's real, it, it most most of the time it is because all the little reactions, people's like pupils opening and looking around. You, you know how good you have to be to do that stuff. You can't fake. You know when people are faking. Take one acting class, and that's what people try when they actually try. It's the worst stuff you've ever seen in your life. So if people, if you have to ask yourself. I know this is probably in the min min uh, minority, but it's more likely to be real than not, in my mm. opinion. Because okay. just because if you sat in where I've sit, uh, where I've sat in these acting classes and saw how bad your average person is at performing, and these are people who wanted to be there, let alone people it. who don't want to be there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I remember when I was younger and I watched that stacked Detroit Red Wings team, who had Brett Hull. Robitaille, Datsuk, Iserman, Fedorov, Lariano. They had they were stacked. They won the cup. And I was at the Coliseum and they had the kiss cam. They did the classic, went around from you know, fans, this, that, and the other, put it on a weird looking couple. That gets a chuckle. And then it ended on Brett Hull and Igor Larianov. You cannot get a better duo. A stoic Russian who's not moving and Brett Hall, who has a hilarious personality. So Hall looks up and sees himself on there. Then he looks at Igor, who's just dead face Russian looking straight, smiles at him, grabs him on the shoulder and gives him like a little half smooch. Awesome. It was one of the funniest things. Because if you've ever seen Brett Hall's face, he's got that that Joker looking <laughs> face, you know, it was so good. Top notch Nassau Coliseum. Hockey ops right there. Uh, getting 100%. That 100%. Uh, so um, we talked a little bit about it, but the Rangers are making this move for Tarasenko. Um, was that something maybe you were thinking about? Is it the obvious move? I mean, obviously they were rumored to do something like everyone else. They were talked about with Timo Meyer. They get Tarasenko. Feels like the perfect fit. Um, is going to play with Panarin. Everyone's better when they play with Panarin. And here's a guy who people are looking at his stats and say, no, well, it kind of fell off from the previous year. But guy gets invigorated, gets with a playmaker like Panarin. <laughs> That's going to be pretty good. And in your mind, this kind of elevates the Rangers to, I don't know, yes. more of a legitimate type of uh, contender status than you felt previously. It is a fantastic move for the Rangers. I see Islander fans. They're they're in classic like Islander fan denial because they just don't want to say, well, we got Horvat in it's but no, no, no. This is a guy who was over a point per game player last year, like many of the Blues. Do you think O'Reilly's really that much of a worse player? They're a team, you know, kind of like the Islanders were. A lot of veterans, very stale year, have got smacked by the uh, Avalanche in back-to-back -back playoffs, which is honestly like the last, all right, well, like this team, we won the cup. We're not like that cup team anymore, and we're not good enough to beat the elite teams. And like the juice was out of that blues team, and it has been all season, like they're finished. So you it's only natural that these guys, Tarasenko, O'Reilly, Saad, that they're not gonna produce like they would 
previously, but you saw what a motivate motivated Tarasenko did coming off that injury. And he's playing for a, another contract. He's literally an unrestricted free agent to be. Everybody's going to be watching at the end of this year. And during the playoffs, he's going to be earning himself a contract and he's going to be playing with one of the most creative playmakers that there is available in the league, a hundred point player, almost an MVP player in Artemi Panarin, Panarin, who he has a rapport with fellow countrymen right around the same age. I don't remember their youth playing status, but I know they're definitely familiar with each other. And you saw it. You saw the rewards reaped immediately with a Tarasenko goal, goal from Panarin. Plus when you think about their power play, what's the only thing, I mean, it's, it's one of the filthiest power plays you can see. What's the only thing that they didn't have a bullet coming from a lefty. And now they even have that. So I think it's great for the New York Rangers. I think it elevates them up into Tampa and Toronto status. And I think I would put them uh, right below Carolina and still a tier under Boston. But yeah, they have legitimate hopes because of the bracket they're in. They're in the scam bracket that I hoped. They're going to get the inexperienced Devils. They're going to wax them in about five or six games. And then they're going to have to deal with Carolina. We'll see if Carolina makes any additions. And a team that they uh, obviously beat in game seven ah, a year I don't ago. look at that. Didn't have their starting goalie. Didn't have Burns relying on D'Angelo on the back end. Their power play was clicking at an astronomical rate. I think it's a big, I think it's a rookie mistake to say, well, look how they're kicking their ass this year. And look how they won in game seven. Yeah, yeah, well, also the New York Rangers beat Tampa in every regular game. One game one, one game two was up two nothing in game three. And then they never won another game for the rest of the series. So I don't take too much into that rangers own carolina stock um and of course we have the trade deadline coming up on march 3rd and as far as the islanders go people are thinking all right these next eight games you know could there be a scenario after we just saw lou lamarillo add and make this move for today and tomorrow and extending bo horvat is there a scenario where if the islanders are six eight points back eight games from now on march 2nd that he finally does become a seller um, and people may feel like just as they did maybe two weeks ago before the Bo Horvat deal, that that's the way in the direction they could go. I find it really hard. The honor is going to be completely out of it eight games from now to the point where he's going to sell off Scott Mayfield or Volamov and ask Parisi who wants the move. It might be the smart thing to do for the organization and maybe even recoup a first round pick that you lost and are trading um, to uh, the Vancouver Canucks. Who knows? You can miss the playoffs, have your tip, your pick protected and get a first rounder from somewhere else. Find it hard to think that they'll do that, even if it's the move they should make. But I don't see number one, if Lou has I don't see Lou doing it. And I don't necessarily see them, be, them being that far out of it at that point to, to make that happen. I mean, I, I just don't see how even if – well, he's not going to do this, but even if you're not out of it, if you're going to go through the playoffs, if you're in a position where you have to bench Ilya Sorokin during the playoffs, then that's not good. If you have to do a playoff run where you're doing the Varlamov, Sorokin – come playoff time, Sorokin should be playing every single game. Yeah. Because that's, Although that's – it's just the, the way – no, I know. Varlamov's playing the great. Two East, Varlamov, and the two Eastern Conference – well – semifinals and Eastern conference run. I mean, Grice got it. Grice won game seven against the flyers in the bubble. And then obviously Sorokin ended up winning the series against Pittsburgh. So, you know, Varlamov is, was certainly the goalie during those two deep runs, but in both of them, there were moments where they had to call upon their, their backup, but yeah, without question. That, and that was also though, the different, different team, different style. We did not have a potential as they say, Vezina, uh, candidate on our day. If you have to bench a quote unquote Vezina candidate, yeah, you're not winning the series. Well, it's just like th then he's not a Vezina candidate. I'm, I'm sorry, right. he's not. So either he's the guy that you're selling us that he is, or he's not. You can't be benching him for two games and playing Barla, even if Barlamov's playing better. Like if this is a guy, the cornerstone of your franchise, do you really go back and say, well, you know, Lundqvist, his second year in the playoffs, third year in the playoffs, eh, they had to go to weeks and they had to never, never. So I think if you're going to the playoffs, Sorokin's taking that next step where he is stealing games. And I just don't see how, how with how well Varlamov has played and him being on his way out i just don't see because you're not you're not affecting the roster in terms of the forwards and all that stuff and you'll get something for him 
from these teams who are needy with the way Varlamov is playing. I mean, he's not going to do it, but exactly. I just could you really imagine him doing that? And uh, especially if I think they would like to have Varlamov back and at a reduced rate and have him be the backup next year because the Islanders just unless it's going to be Corey Schneider, there's no one right now in their system that you can say, well, that's going to be the backup on the cheap. Uh, next year, you wouldn't even know. Like, I guess you would throw Corey Snyder maybe a game or two of the last 18 games of the year, whatever it would be, um, between the trade deadline and the end of the season. But you would certainly be riding um, Sorokin a lot, which, listen, he's been proven that he's proved that he can do that since Varlamov has been out with injuries each of the last couple of years. But yeah, that doesn't impact the roster. And even Scott Mayfield from, from a situation. When you look at Mayfield, you look at they really like what they saw of Samuel Bulldog. If Mayfield were to go, you're going to play him and you're going to play Ajo. I mean, okay. I mean, is it, that's again, bad. in terms of – it's bad. not good, but, I mean, in terms of um, – No, that's you know, Banya. That's Banya level, but that's, that, that's round teen. Yeah, that's, but at least then you're developing someone at the at, – at the worst-case scenario, you're, you're developing, you're giving someone NHL-level minutes um, over the last yeah, – the, the, Then they're just – you're saying they're season. not – then you're saying they're definitely not doing anything next year because you, I mean, they're struggling as it is with this decor. That well, I don't know how, how, how does Mayfield fit into the plans for, for next year? I mean, maybe he does. I, I, I don't know. I mean, he's been making I mean, no money since he signed that contract. Well, players like him, usually if you look around the league, even, you know, he's valued internally. There's not even many people who know who Scott Mayfield is. You don't think he, the fact that he, the way he played in the playoffs the last hundred uh, percent years ago, don't matter. I forget right the comparables, the but his his comps all weren't aren't making that much when you look at the last two seasons of contracts offered to defensemen. I mean, it's crazy. I disagree with it. I value him way more than a guy like Shattenkirk or like um, what's his name from the Canucks last year who signed with the Ducks. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank because like now I just Heiskanen's in my head. Come on, um, he signed for like. Jesus Christ, this is this kills me. I mean, I played him in DFS. <laughs> I, I played, I, I clicked this guy's face, put him in my roster 500 times for DFS when that power play used to be good a couple years back. And he has one of the worst defensive metrics. And I'm just going to talk myself into remembering his name. Um, my goodness. Jesus Christ. All right, help me out. Help me out. <laughs> I'm trying to find you here. Come on. I'm trying just... to go online here. I can't. I'm, I'm blanking too. No, 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 no. I'm sure the sure the audience is loving this. I feel like this is like a Mike Francesa moment. John, John Klingberg. The, John, John Klingberg. Okay, absolutely. You have to deal with the dead with the with the silence on the, on the radio uh, can, for a little bit. Never get, even if I'm even if I'm researching things, you'll still be getting things coming out of my mouth. But you know, John Klingberg, awful defensive metrics, and then he's he's getting offered a seven million dollar year contract. The amount that GMs overvalue offenses is, is is absurd to me. And I think that's also partially the reason why we got the deal for Pellick when he did. You know, whether Trotz helped Pellick, uh, I guess we'll see in the long run. But, um, yeah, I don't think from what I've heard, I don't think Mayfield's going to be that expensive to retain. Uh, he's a guy who's given a lot. and Still a raise, like, though. Still a raise. I mean, over 1.4. Yeah, but it's, it's not – even if it's like $3 million or something, I mean, you're looking at that saying, okay, good. We, we got one of our, like, top four defensemen. He can clearly be like a number four on the Islanders, and he's not like you know these defensemen. They can play until their mid thirties. I think he's what right around thirty years old. I mean, anything where he's out before thirty-five, I'd be cool with giving him because defensemen like him are usually well, effective into that age. Well, there it is, right? The two guys that potentially have value are two players that Islanders might want back. Um, so you know, again, yeah, but one guy helps the, the team immensely. One guy helps the team immensely. The other guy's getting in the way of a potentially Vezina winning candidate. One guy is actually expendable and might be a weird speed bump in the way where you're forced to play him because he's playing so well. And now you're benching Sorokin for way more than you'd want to because Varlamov is playing like the way he is. Well, we'll see. Listen, it could go a couple different ways. They can they can fall out of it and do absolutely nothing, and you're going to have to ride out the rest of the season. Um, or they can make a move and add, who knows, or uh, or sell. We'll, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting next uh, couple weeks. All right, Andy. Well, listen, you were kind of evasive on the, on the Valentine's Day plan um, in case there was a special someone in there. But if there is, I hope you guys have a wonderful time, um, you know, betting uh, against Josh Bailey. Uh, to collect a point, honestly, yeah, if you would, that, you could, you could have been you, most. You could have kept. You could have. You could have gotten. Still been making your money uh, if you would have just kept on betting against Bailey. 
Well, that's what's been most depressing. No, because in the first game that he, he did have the, the assist against the, he, he had that. Not, assist. Not, he wasn't on that at the Palmieri as PP two, but yeah. Yeah, I understand, but so that would have been lucky regardless. Um, I'm not sure if how much he's factored, but it's just it's the fear that he's just gonna you know touch it coming into the zone when he was buried on that fourth line. That's a <laughs> laugher's delight out there. I am laughing. No, what, I mean, there, what's you could have you could have you could have paid for the prefix meal uh, on Valentine's Day, no problem. <laughs> you know, tip the mater d. You know, grease the grease the hostess to get a. Well, I a just nice did table. something else. I just put a stack of money on the Colorado Avalanche to win the West because they've had a lackluster season uh, to this still, point. They had a. Still, mm-hmm. Landeskog has missed all year. McKinnon missed a chunk. McCarr missed a, so many of them missed a chunk. Yet they're starting to get healthy, and they're already in like third, almost in second in their uh, division again. And from what I believe, they're going to add a big player, and then they're going to use the Kucherov scam and then activate Landeskog for playoffs. And they're going to be this ultra-stacked team against one of the worst conferences I've ever seen in my whole life with this Western Conference. This is one of the worst conferences I have ever seen. And if you wait like two weeks and the Avalanche rip off a couple wins, the price is going to be awful. So I got it in right now while their record still is not great and you can get a good pr- price. They're still the top favorite to come out of the West. But at least they're in, since they're in the lower part of the standings, if they were playing like normal Avalanche, you'd get nothing. You would get nothing worth worth, uh, worth your money. All but right, I would well, love listen. to know. You know, if you're listening to Andy, don't forget to tip him on Patreon if you uh, if you end up oh, making yeah. this bet and you end up winning, um, and then you can send him a Valentine. Um, yep. All right. Well, listen. Talk to you next week, Islanders country. We'll see if the Islanders react and respond to this Lane Lambert tough practice. They got the Ottawa Senators on Tuesday, and then of course they have these matchups against the Pittsburgh Penguins and Boston Bruins coming up as well. So it should be an eventful a week or so coming up for Mr. Andy Francis. I am Joe Bono. We will talk to you next time, Islanders country. Good night. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything, from T-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets, and of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. So you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days. Like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry collection, or the rich and polished premium slub crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code S-T-A-P-L-E-2-0.